name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 426, which, as it turns out, are all even numbers. <laughs> right, sweetie? Correct. Um, four to six. Yes. 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 Well, all even. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember a motto, which is the the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. On today's show, Kathy's going to come up with something I have no idea what she's going to come up with. I'm going to talk a little bit about coupling and friendship, intimacy stuff, um, spiritual partnership. Yeah. Fun stuff, and I uh, don't forget about my quick take. Can't wait. Everybody loves my quick take, and it's about money. Yay. Money, money, money. Money. Remember that song? I do. Um, mine is is interesting. I found something that relay... I found something that explains how I feel about something. Oh, wow. How's that as a... And you get excited. I do. When it, you come up with a concise precise way of explaining yes. something. And it's something we talked about in the car on our road trip to spring break. From Florida? From Florida. Um, you know what else you love? Coffee. You love coffee. But when we're talking about something deep and then I randomly like blind squirrel finds a nut and I say something that's either profound or very, it's it's with a deep understanding of what it is you're trying to convey. Yes. And I say it. <laughs> You're like, that's it. <laughs> Not because I just said something that you didn't know, but because I reflected back to you what you were trying to convey to me. Correct. That why, is very, why, very appealing to me. Why is it so exciting to you? Because it means I'm being understood. Yeah. It's not and and not just about me being understood like me, me, me. It's about I am trying to convey a complex concept and I am somehow able to articulate it in a way that you get it and you can repeat it back to me with your own words, yeah, not with my right. words, but with your words. Because you usually give an example. Mm -hmm. You'll be like, it's like when blah, 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 blah. And I'll be like, yes. And sometimes those examples have to do with movies. I'd say 98% of the time they do. Movies. Movies or TV. Do you know what that's from? When he just says movies. No, but you do that all the time. I think it's from Austin Powers. I don't know why. I just feel like that's the Austin Powers accent. Sounds like his voice, yeah. Um, okay, so my quick take. I went grocery shopping on Easter Sunday, and I thought it was going to be packed, and then I realized everybody was at church except me. And no one was at Chipotle either. <laughs> Nobody was at Chipotle. I, I, last, night, <laughs> last night was Easter, and I went around the whole house and got everybody's Chipotle order, and I was so excited. Plugged it into the app. Plugged it into the app, and then I kept trying to have it go home, like, gosh, these apps suck. It will not go. And then I finally read what was on the screen, and it said closed. And they, we have three in our town. All of them were closed. It's hard for me. <laughs> Sweetie, you love when things places are, closed. are closed. I don't, and but my what I said to Skylar because we were all very disappointed. I said, you know what? It's a good thing because all of those people who work there got to be with their families on Easter Sunday, and I will forego my burrito for them to be able to. Especially since family. we got that meat lovers pizza in the freezer. Ugh, it wasn't meat lovers; it was veggie. It, it was cheese. I know, but do you know what that movie's from? No, what's that? Tommy Boy. That line is yeah. from? Uh, it's yeah. It's when he's talking about the chicken wings with David Spade. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> and know, he does that random weird <laughs> soliloquy with that waitress. Maybe I remember. Maybe I'll try to pull that up. I remember. That was just all a big riff, and they just cut and pasted uh, that one in. Such a funny scene. I know. Um, so I love Freakonomics, the podcast. And this, the title of this Freakonomics, and I'll include it in the show notes, it's called The Stupidest Thing You Can Do With Your Money. Okay. okay. And it's all about the difference between act and this is my quick take. We're not going to talk a lot about this, but I'm going to play a clip from it. And it's the difference between active and passive investing. And active investing is when we hire people to pick stocks for us. Passive investing is when you invest in an index fund and you just kind of buy the whole market and you're not paying somebody to pick the stocks. Okay. So far you're with me. Kind of. I, I, your eyes are I glazing go. over already. So there's a guy named Jack Bogle. Okay. And Jack Bogle started... Uh, something called a Vanguard fund. Yes, I know that. We invest in the index funds that he created. And before Jack Bogle, there were no index funds. So oh, he was like the founder. And what's interesting is most of these guys who founded stuff are like multi-billionaires. And I found out as a result of listening to this podcast, he's not even a billionaire. And he and I don't have this clip set up, but he talks about how I never did this for the money. 
and he has a very conservative house and a very conservative car with his wife. He's like an 88-year-old man. Cool. And uh, anyways, you'd love him if I played I that bet. part of it. But anyways, this is a part where he talks about the different... And the reason I'm... I feel like... Um, Part of our platform is we get this opportunity to share certain things that we think are important, good resources for all of you. So odds are there's a lot of people listening that have a retirement plan that also have money in a mutual fund. And when I say a mutual fund, what I mean by that is we're paying somebody to pick stocks for us. And you and I are big fans, I don't know if you know this, sweetie, of index <laughs> investing, which means that you're buying the whole market. You're not paying somebody, so it costs less. And we've talked a lot about this on previous podcasts, which is why Sweetie's like, okay. But this is just a very quick um, summary of what the differences are, Okay, uh, as told by Jack Bogle. Explain why it's so long for index funds to really catch on. The index fund is more predictable and boring, which, as Jack Bogle sees things, is its virtue. So it diversifies away uh, the risk of individual investments. It diversifies away the, the risk of picking a hot manager. And uh, it diversifies away the idea that you can pick market sectors like healthcare, technology, or whatever it might be. And then there's the cost comparison. We'll start with the typical mutual fund. They charge a lot for this service. We estimate the average expense ratio is almost 1% for an actively managed fund. So think of an expense ratio as a tax. Okay. okay, it's just money out the door. These active funds often have sales loads. The index funds do not. And the active funds further uh, turn over their portfolios at a very high rate, and that's costly. And you add that all up, and the cost of owning a mutual fund on average is 2%. And how does that compare to an index fund? You can buy an index fund of S&P 500 index fund, let's say in this case, for as little as four basis points, four one-hundredths of 1%. So 2% over four basis points. And I don't know, some people are like, what's the big deal? The big deal is if you, and he goes on to explain this in the podcast, if you invest a dollar and after X amount of years in a regular mutual fund, it'll go up to $10. And in the exact same funds without those costs, uh, in an index fund, it'll be $32. Okay. So multiply that times the thousands of dollars that we're investing, you get a really big return. So anyways, I'm not going to bore you guys anymore with that, but I'm going to include this. And the, what's great about Freakonomics is they present the alternate viewpoint Correct. as well. Yes. So I will include that in. And if anybody's a money nerd like I am, please send me an email. Let me know what you think. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know what? What I was I was kind of spacing out. That's why Todd's laughing at me. I don't it, it's not that I don't think this is important cuz I know it is. I'm it's not like, oh, you know, it's it doesn't I don't when I say I don't understand, I don't mean intelligence-wise. I don't care that much. Like right. you are like, how do you get the best, mm-hmm. you know, bang for your buck? And I just am kind of like and what I try to do is leverage um, what would make you tick. And, you know, we're always what we like to do is try to have our own financial security and then the ability to give back to others. Correct. That's would you like to. And, you know, I say this to you and everybody else like, oh, what's the big difference? The difference is if you want to be able to use this money, which is neutral in a positive direction, mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather give it to, um, you know, the people that need it? Yes. In the form of charity yes. versus Wall Street, which is making hundreds of yes. billions of dollars at our expense. Yes. That's and that all. is something that is important to me is it, to the best of my ability. Yes. I like to purchase things from, you know, like <clears throat> even though I use Amazon, just like probably the rest of the world uses Amazon, I have really enjoyed buying things downtown sure. in the last two or three months starting before um, the holidays, like really investing in my community and, and making the effort to do that rather than order everything online. Like uh, our daughter's JC's 15th birthday was this weekend. She's 15. And so instead of like going out and buying her a bunch of things that she may or may not want, I took her to breakfast on her birthday. And then I said, let's go to the store downtown mm-hmm. in downtown Elmhurst. And you pick something out for yourself and then it, it, it all feels better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. <clears throat> I know that's not exactly what you're explaining on this quick No, take. I think it goes along with what you're doing is like who's 
money, you know, Amazon is worth whatever. I don't know what their market value is, but it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, when you buy something from the store in downtown Elmhurst, not only are you hoping that's helping that store owner, but the tax dollars are going into our community, which help build libraries and schools and streets and things like that. Right. And I think a lot of times in our community, we complain about you know, <clears throat> we're lucky enough to have a downtown. Not all communities even have a downtown anymore. Yeah. It's not as common as it used to be. And But a lot of times, even when we do have a downtown, we complain about, oh, I wish we had this or we need more of this. But we're if people are it. not supporting it, yeah. they can't sustain. Yeah. And that includes, you know, eating out in your community. And, um, you know, that's the way to give back yeah. is, is to... If you're um, going to spend the dollars anyways... Yeah. Might as well spend the dollars in your own community. Yeah, exactly. Like you found that guy over by Starbucks who fixes computers and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you know, you can go to one of the big branches and drop off your computer, but why not go to the local Yeah. Person? He's from uh, Albania. Yeah. And his name I think was Leon. I yeah. not Leon. I don't remember what his name is, but he was a nice guy. Yeah. He still is. He's still there. Yeah. I haven't walked in to say hi to him lately. Yes. Albania. Yes. So yes, I I think that it what you're talking about makes sense in the big picture to me. I'm just not as interested in the intricacies as you are. Yes. <laughs> because you get like really like your eyes light up like, oh my gosh, can you believe this? And I'm like, I can. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Um, can I, oh, I was going to play my Tommy Boy clip. About what? Helen. That's oh. nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Let's say I go into some guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get all excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. The pet is my possible sale. Oh, my pretty little pet. I love you. So I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. And then I take my naughty pet and I go. <laughs> oh! I killed it! I killed my sail! <laughs> That's when I blow it. That's when people like us have got to forge ahead, Helen. Am I right? God, you're sick. <laughs> Tommy boy. I know. We showed it, that to our daughters and they didn't think it was that funny. They sure didn't. I was, do you, Todd, do you know what those little, um, you know, my, the, the wrinkle in time, um, which is that I got this weekend. Yes. So they're by a, a, a company called Funko Okay. and they make like, uh, I think they're called pop Funko or something like that. But basically they're little like statues or what's the word I'm looking for? Like not dolls, but uh, <clears throat> uh, little, little collectible. Yeah. And they're, they're like the, they have a big head and then like a small body. And basically the people who make they're like these, the bobbleheads you get at the uh, yeah. ballpark. And basically they're for TV shows and, you know, literature and for movies. Hmm. And so basically you can find anything like um, Cameron is, our middle daughter, she is collecting all the friends, but they're expensive. Mm. So like she's only been getting one at a time. She has Joey and Chandler oh, so wow. far. Um, and is they're holding the chicken and duck. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is actually a funny story. Well, before I tell that story. Um, but this weekend I got all the, uh, the witches from uh, Wrinkle in Time. But what I was going to say is I was at Barnes & Noble when we were in um, Florida and they have a Tommy Boy Funko oh, really? Pop. Yeah, and he in there it's hilarious. What is he holding? Oh my god, I can't remember. Um oh he he's holding he's holding a Callahan Auto Parts box. Oh, okay. And then there is a what's David Spade's name in that? Mm, Richard. Richard. And there's a Richard too. I just think that those things to me, and again, it's just because I love pop culture and I love everything about the entertainment industry. I love stuff like that. Like that's like somebody said someone's gonna want this little Tommy Boy statue. Shop.funko F-U-N-K-O dot com. Yeah. And they like, you know, once a show becomes a hit or has a following, they create them. And like for Stranger Things or for Sherlock or for some of the more cult classics, they have many different versions. Sports, Star Wars. We should partner with these people because it's right up our alley. It is, but they're so huge, Todd. They're, I don't know if they're like partnerable. Sweetie, they're partnerable. They don't need us. Everybody is. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. But anyway, I got Todd a one of these, and it's um, Jack from Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically Jack from Lost at the beginning when he's got a beard and he's got a backpack and, you know, it's when he's first figuring things out, Jack. And, and when he's awesome. When he's awesome. Oh, that's right. He's awesome during the whole thing. Correct. To Todd. Even Todd when he's getting in that. arguments with Locke. Um, so, but anyway, Todd also likes this shun, this uh, this show called "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," which is totally inappropriate. And he, Todd, sometimes gets in a mood to watch it. And there's this character on the show called Mac, <laughs> and he's to- and he looks just like Jack from Lost, at yeah. least the Funko, yeah, you know, version statue. And so I always think that like it's a perfect. Um, it's Todd dichotomy. because, yeah, no, not dichotomy, because that's two very different. You're like the blend. Well, Mac and Jack were pretty different. <laughs> I guess that's true. But anyway, I'm always, but it's like a perfect little representation. That's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Because it, Jack Todd. is the hardworking, dutiful, yes. inspirational, let's lead this team off the island. Yes. And Mac is one of the most crass, funny people ever. So I always ask Todd, are you Mac or Jack today? And the last time you asked me that, I was mad. You were. You were. Um, all right. So we're 16 minutes in and just got past the intro. I know. Let's go. Let's go. What's your deal? You want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, you start. Oh, I good, feel like good, I've been good. talking a lot. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, I read something that I was like, that is so, explains so well what I'm trying to say a lot of the time. Um, and I'm. it's funny right now as I'm talking, I'm realizing I'm getting out of vacation mode because mm-hmm. I'm having to... Yeah, we're both slow. We're both I'm out of it. I'm slow. Like I'm really trying to like find my words. This is this show or talking about these things Todd and I talk about. It's a muscle. Like if you're... We didn't use it for about seven days. No, two weeks because two we weeks. taped before uh, 10 days. 10 days. Yeah. So it's like kind of a practice. Like my brain is like, oh, we're going to do this again. Um, but anyway, so there's a story. And I don't know if you guys listen to the uh, the Good Life podcast, but Jonathan Fields is the host and I really like it. He has on a lot of great guests and I like Jonathan Fields book too. Yes, um, so do I. Todd really liked it too. I think he used it for his retreat. What was the book called? The Good, uh, the Good Life Project. It was called The Good Life Project. Yeah. And I've read it as well. It's well done. But anyway, Jonathan Fields tells the story, and I'm saying that it's in this book because this other book that I have by Courtney Carver, she mentions this story, but I've heard Jonathan Fields tell this story before, so it's just a reminder to me. So basically, it's a story about where – he's a yoga teacher or used to be, like I I did, and he was at a um, workshop with Baron Baptiste, and I don't know if you guys know who that is, but it's a very high-profile yoga teacher, and – He's talking about this experience he had in his class because it was a huge class. It was like 100 people. Have you ever done that, Todd? Like the 100 people yoga class? Never. It's always in a small shala. Really? I don't think so. Didn't you go with me when I would go to those big workshops years ago and you'd be like mat to mat to mat to mat? No, but I remember hearing stories about a certain yoga instructor who got mad at everybody because they weren't taking it seriously. Yes, that that happened very often. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so... This class is going on and everybody's like sweating and it's hot and everybody's working really hard. And then Jonathan Fields notices that Baron Baptiste is giving other people in the class an opportunity to teach Mm. for a minute or two, Mm -hmm. you know, like teach some poses, like kind of giving them this moment in the sun where there's a hundred people in the room, right? So this is how this, I'll just read it to you. Okay. So this is, this is Jonathan Fields thinking and talking. He said, 90 minutes remain. Who will lead next? I stand in mountain pose, hands in prayer as the universe sweats through me. I look at Baron. I want to go. I want to have his eyes catch mine. He smiles finally, nods. I step off my mat and begin to stalk the room. Um, the few minutes that I teach are surreal. I've never led a group this size quite through anything like this. I'm overwhelmed. I'm new at this. But I own my studio back home and damned if I'm not ready, damned if I'm not good, better than most. I finish the sequence and I step back to my mat and Baptiste looks at me and he says, less show, more soul. Mm. And Jonathan Fields, yes. And Jonathan Fields says, I'm pissed. Mm. It would take years for me to own the truth of these words. Show is soul's cover up. It's been a lesson hard learned. So much bravado, so much posturing, positioning, all to distract from the simple fact that you really don't quite know who you are or what you're doing. And the last thing you want is for others to know this too. Mm. Is that like not everything like I try and embody? Well, not just embody, because then it sounds like I'm putting on a show. Mm. Like, this is why it's so nuanced, is that you, I feel like you and I in the car talked about this. This is why I bring this up, because 
I feel like I talk about this a lot and it, and I struggle with it because a lot of times I have to use people as examples. And then it sounds like I'm totally throwing them under the bus. Like I don't think what they're doing is valuable yeah. or that I'm not you know, like we we did a podcast a couple months ago about how everyone's evolving at their own time. Yeah. And I believe that, including me. Right. Like there's no time where it's like, okay, I'm evolved. Now I have the right to critique other people. Sure. But one thing I've recognized in not just teachers of spirituality, but in many different, you know, jobs and or just in social life is people who put on more show mm-hmm. rather than show up with more soul. Mm. And it's very hard to, it's not, the thing The thing that's interesting about it is you don't learn how to have more soul through some kind of program. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you can't just read a top 10 list and be like, okay, I'm gonna be more soul. Being more soul is a hard earned process of self-exploration, self-awareness, humility, and willingness to show up. Yeah. And it's and sometimes I think where I how do I say this? Because I've done that a lot in my lifetime. When I see people who show up, especially in our line of work. Yes. Who kind of just preach stuff and throw stuff at people and say, do this or follow my lead or do what I do. I'm like, it's so much show well, let me, and not soul. Let me see if I can help um, the audience understand okay. what it is you're trying to uh, define. Okay. So for example, let's say that there's some podcast or author, doesn't matter what. Yeah, but, any kind of line of but work. But they invest into this marketing uh, process right. that is very effective. Right. For example, you know, you go to somebody's website and then you have to, and then they opt you in either right. automatically. It's like a pop-up thing. Right. And then they're creating a, a blog just to get you to this, to sign you up to that. And then the free And e-book. then they give you the free ebook yeah. and then they give you this free. And like I said, that this is something, it works. So there's people that do this, but the way, um, you know, and I, I feel like you're at one end of the spectrum. I'm in the middle, and then there's the other people. Because yes. sometimes I'm like, "Hey, man, let's give the free ebook away." Like, we don't have an ebook, but if we did, I'd be like, <laughs> "Hey," because it would be good information for people to get, and then maybe they'll join Team Zen, or maybe they'll. And we don't do any of these things. And sometimes, if it were up to me, we would. But Kathy is the soul. And I know this isn't why you brought it up, but just bear with me. This She is the soul of Zen parenting, mm, and she is nice. the guiding light to make sure that we're doing things for the right reasons. So when you see these things, there is an inauthenticity yes. attached to it. Yes. And it drives you up a wall. And, it, and, and I try to not let it drive me up a wall because then I'm just getting lost in my ego about how people should do it. Sure. Like, that's why this is such a difficult thing to discuss because as soon as I bring it up, I'm already judging. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I discuss it, around, oh, this is what people should be. I'm already deciding how everyone else should do it. And that's not fair. Like I'm, I have to like live what I believe. And if I'm judging and saying how everybody else should do it, then how am I any different than anyone else I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. The only way that we can talk about these things is through our own personal experience. And Jonathan Field's experience in that situation was perfect. And I could name, I feel like throughout the seven years on the show, I've tried to share those times where I'm like, I am completely out of my, um, uh, you know, I'm not being authentic right now, or here's what I learned for this through this experience. Like, really, the way that we do more soul is through the experiences of not feeling like ourselves, or through the experiences of getting everything we want. Mm-hmm. And then realizing it's nothing we needed. So let's communicate this to like um, parenting. Yes. Okay. So for example, like I'm coming up with something, but you know, your kids got to wear the right shoes at the playground to make sure that the other parents are like, you know what I mean? Like I do. do. Todd, actually, you don't even need to dig that deep for an example because it is the soul to soul parenting thing again, because basically more show Mm -hmm. means I'm going to demonstrate to the world and to you how I'm in charge. And I'm going to use these parenting techniques that I've learned and that I've practiced and that, like you just said, and I'm doing this in air quotes, work, Mm -hmm. 
to show everybody how I'm in control of you. Because one of the greatest myths of parenting is that you need to control your children. Or even that we're in control. Right. That there is even a way to do that, yeah. which there isn't. And you guys got you guys have to hear me on this. What I mean by you aren't in control, it doesn't mean that you aren't in charge in, charge in the family as far as this is, this is the direction I would like to go. But to think that you can control someone's thoughts or to think that control their behavior, even control their behavior, even though there are ways that you can like control them by taking things away from them or saying, I'm not going to let you go out, but really you aren't changing them internally. Extrinsic. Yeah. Yeah. You are pitting yourself against this person where they will fight you at any, you know, any turn. Mm. And so the the thing is, is is it's, it's really broader than one example. Like it's just so in parenting, what is more soul showing up as yourself, talking through something in a normal way without needing to win. And when I say normal way, actually, mm. that's not a good word because a lot of people normal to them would be arguing yeah. till they win. What I mean is really listening. Actually, I'm going to bring up a question that was on Team Zen. Mm. Okay. I may have it. Okay. I can do it. Okay. You don't even need to read it. Okay. There um, and I told her I would talk about this on our Team Zen talk this Friday, but I'm going to just share it with everybody because sure. I think it's it, it, an important um, aspect of what I'm talking about here. Uh, one of our Team Zen members said that she was upset because her daughter, she's her daughter's seven years old, and she's finding that anything that she does with her daughter, her daughter ends up feeling disappointed by the outcome. For example, you know they were going to go. She was very excited to come visit her grandparents for Easter and and even really looked forward to the excitement of the travel day. But of course, the actual day ended up being difficult and tiring, and she was grumpy the whole day, complaining that this was not how she wanted it to be. Yes, and and that kept repeating itself, where the next thing, they were really excited to go see some animals. Mm, baby goats. Some baby goats, and the girl was really excited. And then at the end of the day, she's like, that's not what I thought it would be, and she was disappointed. And of course, the mom is frustrated by that because she's like, ugh, like we're doing these things and you're leaving disappointed and it's frustrating me. And I actually think she ended up writing, it infuriates me. This is so frustrating for me, infuriating even. I've tried to respond with empathy and tell her I am sorry she is disappointed. I've tried talking to her about the nature of life, that things are never exactly how we expect them to be, and try to squeeze as much joy as we can from our experiences no matter how they turn out. But for some reason, my words just don't seem to resonate with her. And one of the things that I I told her I would talk about it more openly because writing about it is too difficult yeah. because it's it's hard to it's keep, an onion. it's yeah there's many many layers but what I will say is kind of what I said back to her is isn't it first of all isn't it interesting mm-hmm. that, she, that that her daughter is grumpy about these experiences and she's disappointed and then the mom is getting disappointed and angry that her daughter is disappointed. Yes. And and I'm pointing that out not as a criticism or judgment, but as a, isn't it interesting? Because isn't it interesting how these kind of things can be contagious? Yeah. Okay. So it's like you go do something with your daughter and your daughter says, oh, it really wasn't what I thought it was. And this could be a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, a teenager. Mm-hmm. It could be a 25-year-old. You know, it's not really what I thought it was. And then we get really caught up in they should have had a different experience. And I am going to talk them in to having a different experience. And I'm going to tell them why what they're feeling is wrong, because once they understand that they should have had a good time, I will feel better about the good time that they had. And and I'm saying it in that way to kind of make us look at ourselves and yeah. go, isn't that kind of funny? Yeah. Because I I can relate to her. I've had that experience where we've done something or we've spent money on something or we've made a point to go somewhere and our girls aren't really that thrilled. We've all done it. And I want to be like, listen, look at all these things we did to get you here. Or do you understand the sacrifice we made? And the truth is, is when you can back up from it, when you can be less show, which is I need to demonstrate to you why you're wrong, and more soul, who cares? Like, I know you're going to say I care, but what I mean <laughs> is- let go. You don't need to have a bad time because they had a bad time. You also, this is the very nuanced part that's so important that you understand. You also don't need to put on a show Mm -hmm. that you had the greatest time and that they are, um, make them feel bad about the feelings they're having. Because a lot of times we will go, you know, we always talk about that every age we've ever been lives inside of us. The 13-year-old version of this would be 
oh, well, I had a good time. Didn't you have a good time? Well, we had a good time. What's wrong with you? Where we want to make the person who didn't have a good time an outcast. And we may not be as blatant as I just was, but there is kind of a ganging up Mm. on the person who didn't have a good time. I'm very hardline about that in our house. I don't know if you've... I don't oh, know I've if we picked can, up on it. Yeah, like when I notice that Todd or the girls or just the girls are are kind of getting into everybody well, wants to do one thing and one person wants to go the other direction. It's easy for a group group think to to be like you're wrong, we're right, join us. Yeah, and I'm fine with the the smaller group. You know, you and maybe two of the girls going and doing something. I'm not saying we have to figure out a way. But don't for shame all, the other person. Don't shame the other person. So here's my thing because okay. this is interesting. So. Okay. Um, and it reminds me of, we've been talking a lot about Byron Katie mm-hmm. on Team Zen. We both are, you just finished the book. I'm still working my way the, through it. I'd read it before, but I finished it again because it, it basically, it's the work that's never done. So to this mom, because it's funny, before I would re- read Katie's work, I'd be like, you know, to this mom, just, just drop it and let it go. Mm-hmm. And one interesting thing is part of the work is Katie never says to drop a no. thought Mm-mm. because the minute that you tell somebody to drop a thought, it creates a resistance and even strengthens that energy. So instead she says like, what, um, give me some reasons of why to keep that some thought. Some stress-free reasons. Some stress-free mm-hmm. reasons. And rarely can anybody come up with that. And I don't know if this is going to um, come through the way I wanted to, but basically instead of saying, we'll just quit worrying about it. That's not going to work. The first step is what this woman already did. She became aware of how she's feeling about it. That's true. That's always the, the entry point into healing. So then the second thought is instead of telling myself that I shouldn't feel this way, understand that you do feel this way, but it's not serving you to get Mm -hmm. frustrated at your daughter. And instead loosen the grip, let it go, let her have her experience, give her the space to have her grumpiness, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to impact your grumpiness because you're not do you're not serving anybody by being grumpy with her. And that's and that's, you know, let's take it down to the example of she takes her daughter to see these goats and her daughter was really excited, but then after the experience with her goats, her daughter says to her, "Well, that wasn't as fun as I thought it was." As parents, we can say, "Oh, that's too bad." Mm-hmm. And maybe the daughter would ask, "Well, did you have a good time or did you like the goats? Or maybe if she didn't even ask, we can say, well, I really did enjoy those goats, period. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go on and on about what's wrong with you that you didn't enjoy the goats. I'm we disappointed don't... in the fact that we spent all this yes. money and, and this is Kathy's and our words. It's not like this woman did that, but we spent all this money to go see the goats. Like this is me and the Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. JC wanted to see Pirates of the Caribbean. We flew down to Florida we were ready to go on and she decided that she didn't want to go. She was like four years old or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I said to her, we didn't come to Florida to not go on Pirates of the Caribbean. And I basically shamed this four-year-old until you kind of caught me and said, this is about you. Right. You (laughs) go on it. This is not about. And you go on Pirates of the Caribbean without attaching to the need or the thought that she needs to go to, because a lot of that is ego, yeah. which is I'm going to take her on this ride, or I'm going to take my kids to see the goats and they're going to have a good time. And that means I'm a good parent and I'm doing things right. And that we had these experiences together. And there's almost like this whole story we tell ourselves again, more show yeah. rather than soul. The truth of the moment is like, let me give um, her a different perspective and give this to everybody too. This is just a moment in time. Her daughter is developing. She's seven years old, so she's probably in first or second grade. And she's kind of figuring out what she likes and doesn't like. And she's also experiencing disappointment. Mm -hmm. She's almost like practicing building herself up to something really huge and then being disappointed. And that in itself is a learning experience. It's a gift. Because she, if she does that enough, she will begin to recognize I'm constantly disappointed and maybe I should let go and be more present for Mm -hmm. this experience. Now, she won't use those words because she's a kid. She'll just kind of understand the fluidity of it. Like, I'm going to quit making up a story before I go and just go Mm -hmm. and see how it is. Because the truth is the story we make up in our heads can never compare to what really happens. And I mean that in a good way, in a bad way, meaning sometimes when like, you know, 
say we're going back to a reunion mm-hmm. for college or something, and we build up this story, we're going to have the best time. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But if we were not, if we hadn't created the story ahead of time, we could have gone and had a really good time. But the reason we ruined it is because we said it's going to look like this and it's going to feel like this. And there's no way that we can live up to that. I have a good parenting example. Okay. Um, yesterday was Easter Sunday. Uh-huh. The Easter Bunny visited our house. Yes. And I know that one of our daughters was having a certain ex- amount of expectations of what the Easter bunny was going to bring. Oh, okay. And because um, I even uh, said to you like, oh, I, th- I I know this kid is hoping that the Easter bunny brings this or that. From a TV show or something. Right. Yeah. And the Easter bunny didn't bring that thing. And I know just by reading her body language and everything yesterday, it was not, um, it didn't meet her expectations. And I didn't even address it with her. I'm like, you know, I, I but I know that she kind of, internalize it a little bit. And this is going to be a muscle for her to flex as a result of it. That's right. It would have been uh, easier for you and I to communicate to the Easter Bunny to make sure that that he or she brings whatever it is that this kid wanted, but it didn't. Well, and that's the thing is like the disappointment in itself reminds her that it's not always going to be exactly what you want. And Mm -hmm. that in that, you know, we can take that to like what they get for lunch every day, yeah. you know, in their lunchbox when they go to school. We could, and and it's not about constantly disappointing our kids on purpose. Mm. Again, you guys got to stay with right. me in this gray zone because you don't create disappointment for them. Right. You don't need to make up a story about I'm going to send them with this to toughen them up or I'm going to not give them this to toughen them up. You just roll with the reality of something. And when they get disappointed, let them be. And I know that this mom was saying, but she's like this all the time. And it may be she may need to learn it again and again. And it doesn't mean she can't address it with her daughter. Like, you know, like Todd just said, he didn't even address it with um, our daughter. And and I didn't even really notice that. Um but you can bring it up or you can say, it seems like you're disappointed in the day. Yeah. And if she says, yes, it's not what I thought it would be, you can say, oh, I'm, I'm, that's too bad. I'm sorry Create that it didn't space meet your expectations. For her to feel it. Yeah. Um, either intentionally or even like kind of in the background. And then the kids are pretty good at processing those feelings. They sure are much quicker than we are. The only time they get stuck is when they're shamed. It's almost like shame becomes a glue where they can't process through them because you've put all this heaviness on the feeling they're having. So then they feel guilty about having the feeling versus just allowing it to, to go through. And one more thing, when you are doing something with your kids or buying something for your kids or taking your kids somewhere, if your only intention in doing it is for you to get the feedback of that- Aren't I a great mom? Are, aren't I a great mom? Or I had a great time or thank you for this. If you're only doing it to get that back, then you want to rethink why you're doing things mm-hmm. because then maybe you can make choices that are based on this is in the best interest of our family, or this is a learning experience. There's something, this is something I want to do. And it doesn't mean you don't go to Disney World anymore or go see the goats. I'm just saying that a a lot of times we do things so we get something back from it. Yeah. And and that's human mm-hmm. because we give and we like to get, you know, thank yous. Yeah. But a lot of times with our younger kids, they don't have that maturity muscle yet. And we keep looking to them to say in a roundabout way, validate me, mm. validate me. And they don't have that ability yet, not, not because they aren't smart, but because they're still learning in themselves what feels right. They, they, their, their goal is not to make you feel good. Their goal is to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more- And if that, they figure out who they are, that probably will make you feel good. Yes, and so if we can see it from the bigger picture rather than just that moment yeah. of, because I, you know, I've had so many phone calls from, you know, my friends or from clients about these kind of things. Like, you know, I remember my friend Amy called me. She goes, I drove two hours to take my sons to, I think it was this place called like Monkey Joe's or something. Mm-hmm. It's similar to a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. And she's like, I drove two hours there, took a day off work. They got there. They barely had a good time. They fought the whole time. You know, it was a nightmare. First of all, now that it's a year later or a couple of years later, it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ridiculous. It's one of those parenting stories. It's ridiculous. Second of all, she did all that, but they didn't ask her to. Yeah. You know, they weren't like, they may have said, I want to go there someday, but they weren't like, take a day off work, drive two hours. Like, 
we expect them to understand all that we're putting into it, but all they know is the outcome. Yep. So we have to practice being their age mm-hmm. in our minds and and say, we may be frustrated and that's okay. Like one of the things that Todd and I listened to this weekend was um, understanding what Dan Siegel, um, how he explains the difference between emotions and feelings. Mm. Um, do you remember when we were listening to that? And one of the things he explained is that he does differentiate between the two, which you and I always don't. Yeah. I mean, I liked his explanation though, which is that emotions are the physical experience that we have. Because when Dan Siegel talks about the mind, he doesn't talk about the brain. Mm -hmm. He talks about the mind being almost like an embodied Mm -hmm. experience. Like the mind is every nerve ending, every experience we have in our body. Because again, as I do believe this and know this from personal experience, your issues live in your tissues. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just in your head, it lives in your body. And so your emotion is that experience of something's happening that makes you uncomfortable and an emotion comes over you, right? Yep. Your feelings, though, are the story about that emotion. Yeah, it's what you attach to that emotion. Exactly. And so why I'm, why the differentiation mm. is helpful in this situation is if you are driving in the car and your daughter is like, I didn't have a good time with the goats, or your sons are like, I had a horrible time at Monkey Joe's or yeah. whatever, the emotion that you may feel is very human. Yeah. Your body may be like, like you may experience something from your own childhood, or you may be overwhelmed by, you, you know, the feeling of, oh my gosh, you you people do not understand how much work I put into this. That's that's great, but the next step is, how am I going to feel about this? Yeah, you have to. You don't have to. The invitation is to catch yourself. Yes, not to bury the emotion, no. but to get curious, like, oh, I'm feeling frustrated yes. right now. And I call that awareness. You're calling it feeling. There's a million different words right. for it. but And I, I call it dropping below the line. Have the awareness when you drop below the line. It's 45 different ways to explain this exact same thing. But I, I like Siegel's thing is the emotion is the physical manifestation right. of like, you know, your, your shoulders get hunched or you clench your jaw or whatever. These are all human things. It's a human experience. It's not to stop that. Right. It is to recognize <laughs> when that happens to not attach this yuckiness to it. Right. Or to then project that feeling, that emotion onto everybody else right. and make everybody feel guilty about the way you're feeling or the way you're emoting. <laughs> you know, can, I, a- can I interrupt? Because we're 42 minutes in, sure. we need to talk about our partner. Okay. So first thing is uh, Health IQ. What is Health IQ? They're an insurance company. I have life insurance through Health IQ. I save 600 bucks a year on my premium and it's health uh, life insurance for health conscious people like runners, cyclists, yogis, vegans, veg- vegetarians to get lower rates on their life insurance. So um, we did this last week and I like Sweetie, we're going to do a quiz. Are you ready? Uh oh. So, this, I get a quiz emailed to me every now and again from Health IQ, and this is about allergies. So, let's see how you do. I have some allergies. Do you? Mm-hmm. All right. So, here we go. Some foods can trigger seasonal allergies because they have proteins chemically similar to other allergens. This is known as cross training, cross astigmatism, cross reaction, or cross roading. Give me your best guess. Cross reaction. You are correct. Very nice. good, sweetie. Um, certain foods can cause itchiness in the mouth or throat, known as oral allergy syndrome. Oh my gosh. You know who has that? Who? JC and my sister. Really? This. <laughs> yeah. They're if, always itching their throat. If one is allergic to its cross-reactive allergen cousin, um, go to healthiq.com slash zen and get your quote. That's what we did. That's how we get started. So, um, And then our other partner is Kind Snacks. What is Kind Snacks? They make delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. Um, so I like, I've been on their website lately, and they go specific to certain times of the day of when Kind Snacks might be used. Breakfast at home. Um, so give me your favorite of these three breakfast bars, sweetie. Almond butter, maple cinnamon, or peanut butter? What about the honey oat? I didn't get to that one. Dark chocolate cocoa or honey oat? Honey oat is my favorite. And then uh, they also have grain clusters, which kind of looks like granola, but yep. almond butter, peanut butter, oats, and honey. What's your favorite, sweetie? Uh, I Probably almond butter, but I have to be honest and say I haven't had it. Okay. Well, we got to get... I've had the peanut butter and I like it, but for some reason, almond butter just sounds better today. So for those of you who want to uh, get 10 Kind Bars for free, all you got to do is uh, join the Kind Snacks Club. Go to kindsnacks.com slash zen. 
Um, you'll order the sample box. All you do is pay shipping and you'll get, you'll receive monthly snacks at a discount and get mem- members only bonuses. Going back to this topic of the more show, um, or ex- excuse me, the other way, less show, more soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and diving back into that example I was giving about when our children are disappointed or they're not showing the um, the emotional output that we're looking for, you know, they're not demonstrating how, what a good time they had. They might even say I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom line is the work is not to change their minds. Right. The work is to be able to sit in it and not sit in the discomfort, not get too worked up about it. That's our work. That's so the, the good news is you don't have to change them. Because a lot of times the question that is being asked of me is that people are saying to me, how do I get them to not be that way? Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what we were saying before about control. control yeah. you, you don't get to do that. You, I mean, you can share of yourself and explain why you had a good time, but the truth is you don't have control over that. And the more that you understand that, the less like pain you're going to put yourself through. Because a lot of your pain is... I they should be feeling differently and I should be doing something differently to make them feel differently. And none of that is true. You know, going back to Byron Katie's work, you know, is any of that true? Mm -hmm. Is it true that your child should have a good time with the goats? You know, and your first answer may be, well, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you know for sure, Mm -hmm. for sure, absolute sure that that should be the truth? Because maybe that's what you want, but that's not her truth. Right. And so your job is to allow her to be who she is. While at the same time, you don't have to be, again, going back to the piece about she's furious at her daughter. You don't have to go into her state of mind. You don't have to go down there. Nor and, is it going to serve your relationship with no. her to get infuriated. Those right. are her words. It infuriates me. But stay where you are and don't take it up a notch to try and bring her up a notch. Mm-hmm. The taking it up a notch to, well, I had the greatest time and that was so much fun, is you putting on a show to change her and mind. you're trying to win. You're trying to win and you're trying to get everybody else on your team and you're trying to like have it be us against her. Don't play that game either because that's the teenage game. That's the I'm going to win game. Instead, just stay where you are. I had a good time. I thought it was pretty good. End of story. Over. What I just wrote down is stop trying to win and instead catch yourself. Right. Instead, don't attach the feeling to the emotion. Right. Because that's it's such a... Or do attach a feeling to emotion, but have the feeling be calm. Mm Mm-hmm. You can you can have the emotion. The emotion is inevitable. Inevitable. It's going to because that's your body. And the reason that we say that it's inevitable because people will be like um, they'll start shaming themselves or we will start shaming ourselves because we have this emotion. You're supposed to. You 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 wanted your kid to have this experience of Pirates of the Caribbean or the goats or whatever it is. You can't not have a reaction. Have a reaction. Right. Unless you're totally numbed out. Right. Which we don't want that. But the emotion, the reaction that your mind and body is having doesn't need to be your end story. Mm. The end story is, I'm curious about that. What just happened to me? How offended I became at my child or how offended my I am now because of what my spouse said or how offended I am at, because of the person next to me in the cubicle. I'm curious about that. And then, you, then you've created space to attach a different feeling to it, which is the feeling of curiosity or the feeling of calm. And when you say attach it, so the way, when I hear these get brought up, whether I'm not, whether I'm talking with guys um, in a coaching session or whatever, I'd be like, that's your work. Like Mm -hmm. when these things happen and all of a sudden you get really frustrated at your spouse or your kid or your dad, that's your work. That's right. And you know, how? okay, so great. I now know one of the hardest parts about this work is to even know that you have some work to do yes. in this. The second thing is, okay, so all right, I now am aware that I get frustrated when my kid disappoints me. Now or the, when my kid is disappointed. Or my kid is disappointed. Yeah. Because sometimes when the kid is disappointed, disappoints That's disappoints me. me, you're right. Um, the second part of that is presence, uh, detachment, awareness, mindfulness. How do you do that? It's a muscle that you have to flex and through breath work, through filling your own cup, through journaling in the morning or journaling in the night. Like there's all these different tools in our toolbox to do that. And one of the big pieces, like one of the overreaching parts is the reason I believe in therapy um, and in coaching so much is that this can feel, what Todd and I are talking about right here can feel almost undoable. Like 
my belief system is so set in stone that my child should have a good time. And even that is a thought pattern. Correct. But it's so set in stone that I don't know how to create the space because my I was parented that way. My parents instilled that in me. It's something I've practiced my whole life. People has, have shamed me. Mm-hmm. So what happens with therapy and, and sometimes with coaching, if you have a good coach, is you can start to pull apart those belief systems, meaning you can start to talk about why do you think that your child should have a good time? Sometimes in, you know, people, you know, we discuss talk therapy all the time with in my college class with my students about why it's effective. And I feel like it's just one piece of the puzzle, but it's an important piece of the puzzle because you have to start pulling apart, like I kind of visualize this big knot of beliefs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're just like, yes, it's true because I believe it. And what talk therapy can start to do is even start to like spread it out and look at it. Like, is any of this true? And where did I learn it? And so maybe it's still sitting there, but there's a little more space between the ideas and the thoughts. And then you can go in and start a practice of, okay, I'm having this feeling. Mm I I used to think that this was an absolute truth, but now I'm questioning, is it true that my child needs to not be disappointed? And so now I can take that space and attach a sense of calm to this and recognize I don't need to control this outcome. So I'm giving this example because a lot of times it's very hard for people to start here that the whole idea of being mindful or the whole idea of questioning our thoughts, unless our belief systems are a little untangled, maybe not completely untangled, but unless we start to even go there. And maybe you don't do it through therapy, but you, like Todd said, you do it through journaling. You start to write out, what do I believe? And and so many of you will say, well, that's so much work. Yes. I don't have time for that. And we're like, yes, this, is, this isn't easy. And this is why going back to what I said at the beginning of the show about sometimes I see teachers like say, use my, you know, my, this thing that I've created, this three-step program, and you'll never, you know, have overwhelm again and you'll be mm. peaceful the rest of your lives. I'm like, baloney. This is a deep process of learning about yourself over time, the evolvement is slow, but it's meaningful. Every step is meaningful. Like it's not like, you know, you wake up and go, oh, this is And there's so- two, sometimes two steps forward, three steps back. Correct. Sometimes four steps forward and no steps back. Correct. It is uh, chipping away. And then all of a sudden it starts to be the way your brain operates. The thing about mindfulness and the thing about breath and understanding emotions and, you know, understanding feelings is then you are literally changing the way your brain processes information. Like you literally are changing the, because our brain, again, you guys know this, but our brain is neuroplastic. We have something called neuroplasticities where our brain can actually reprogram itself a bit. Like the synapses can start to connect to other places. Even 90 year old men who have been, you know, the whole old dog, new tricks, Science has shown that that is not true. Correct. Like, it is not true. Our brain can... And so when you start to do these practices, this, these mindfulness practices or these questioning practices or these therapeutic practices, your brain starts to look at things differently. And so then the work starts to, as Katie always says, do you, where instead of you having to work so hard your brain actually gives you these signals like, oh, you're supposed to breathe now. Yeah. And it starts to become a part of you. So this practice has momentum, yeah. meaning that once you start to do it, it starts to take over a bit. But it doesn't mean that then you're done and that it's the end. It means that there's always something new to learn. But I don't want to understate the first step, which is awareness. Right. And if you can do that, yes. if you can catch yourself and then still get frustrated and mad, but you at least had that moment of clarity like, wow, this is weird that I'm getting so impacted by my kid's disappointment in this or my work that um if you can that awareness is a monumental first step yes like this team zen member who gave us this question the fact that she could say i need support with this because i'm getting infuriated give me a new way to look at this it's not about tell me how to control my child she knew that wasn't the answer she was like give me because one of my favorite Marianne Williamson quotes is that a miracle is not changing a situation. It's changing the way we look at a situation or the way we think about a situation because the miracle is in the shifting of our thoughts. It's not about the shifting of the situation. And I think we get confused by that. Well, I think as human beings, we try to fit our idea of what the world's supposed to look like 
Um, so basically we try to modify what's outside of yes, us yes. as opposed to, and if, if, you know, we've said a million times, we don't have control over, over other people, uh-uh. over other situations. Sometimes we have some influence, but we have no control over it. And what we try to do many times as human beings is try to control what's going on outside of us and then we'll be happy. And the weird thing is even when you like, oh, I want to make a million dollars, the minute you make a million dollars, then you're going to want to make $2 million. Right. It's a moving target as Sean Acor has taught us. Yes. Um, instead, the work is on the inside yes. to look, to observe a situation and then your work is inside of you to see how you can make that fit into your contentment and your joy and your sadness and all that. Your greatest responsibility is you. And that is not a selfish act. That is the most giving act. Because if you take responsibility for you and the experiences that you have and the emotions that you have and then the feelings that come into play, then you can interact with people from a place of authenticity and soul and calm. Mm -hmm. That is your greatest responsibility because when you show up calm, in a situation with your child, with someone, your spouse, someone at work, you create a new dynamic through your calm. You actually can shift a relationship through the way you are reacting. One last thing, and then we gotta close the show. I know. Three different types of business. Can you explain? Uh, your business, someone else's business, and God's business. Or if that word doesn't work for you, the universal business. Right, so there's my business, your business, mm-hmm. And reality or God's business. Right. And what's the difference between them all? Well, your business, you can actually do something about, right? And when That's you say your, you're talking about my mine. business. Yeah, here. like your business, our business, the, our, our individual business, I'll use that word, that is something we do have control over. Yeah. And when I say control, I don't mean that in the like the gripping mm-hmm. control. I mean like we have choices. Yeah. We can choose. We can say, okay, I'm having this negative feeling, but what can I do with it rather than how can I put it on someone? We can actually choose to look at things through a different lens. When we're talking about our kids or our spouse or someone we work with or someone you know who's leading our country right now, that we really can't do anything about them. We can we can do something about the way we're experiencing it and we can step up and we can speak out and we can we can do things, but we can't make them do things. No. Okay? And then God's business or universal business or as Todd just used the word reality, those are things like we can't control a hurricane, mm-hmm. we can't control um, a tsunami. We mm-hmm. can't control when the wind is blowing. We can't control those things. And so if we wake up in the morning like we were in Florida, last week and some days we woke up and it was cold. If I'm going to let cold ruin my day, Mm -hmm. then I have completely given away my power to something that is beyond me. You know, for people who are like, oh, I'm on vacation and it's windy and it's cold and it just isn't fair. You have no control over that. So you have to choose what am I going to do with this day instead? Because that's something I do have control over. And so just to kind of sum this up, bring it back to the sentence that I said that Jonathan Fields talked about in that yoga class. Less show, more soul. So less thinking that you have control over all these things and being like a um, um, demonstrating to everybody how you are in control, not only of yourself, but everybody else, and that you are constantly killing it when you're not always feeling that way. And more honesty and humility and humbleness about your experience because what we do appreciate about people is when they're authentic and your children can feel it your spouse can feel it and when you are experiencing or demonstrating more soul people want to be connected to you yeah the show eh, sometimes people do like i can't say they never do because some people love a good show but it it can't sustain right so okay uh, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. I, co- I coach guys. So guys, if you're out there, I know you can get there without my help, but I can help you get there quicker by talking through things, setting goals, things like that. So go to ToddAdamsCoaching.com. First session is free. And you know what? Speaking of, what? You, just to you know talk about this point, a lot of your clients, um, I know that some of the issues that come up are about untangling belief systems yeah. initially, that before you can really get any work done, I know this is true with my clients, is it's let's just talk through what you think and what you believe. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is so helpful then for the next steps. So uh, We also have something called Team Zen. Um, 
It is a twice a month Zen talk where Kathy and I speak with you all live. It's a Facebook community, um, discounts on everything that we sell in our Zen store, including our conference. So go to zenparentingradio.com to learn more. Um, and once you join, you actually have access to all the four, uh, previous Zen talks. So I think we've done 29 so far. So if you uh, like what you hear and you want more of it, um, this is just another way of kind of hearing more of our message. So go to zenparentingradio.com. It's fun. It's fun. We got one this Friday. We have a Zen talk this Friday. Yes. That's right. Oh, and speaking of, go to our website, you guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. Our website keeps getting better and better and better um, because of our friend Brad from Thanks, Inspired. Brad. And so it's becoming more accessible, easier to find things. You can find all of our live events. You can, you know, join Team Zen. You can see things about our co conference in 2019. Like, and we're going to put new things in the store, like hats and t-shirts. T-shirts and what else did? For those of you who loved those t-shirts, the believe um, believe there is good or yeah. be the good t-shirts, they're going to be on sale when next week. Well, they're on. Yeah, sometime soon. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to hold bread to it, but okay. it'll be sometime very soon. Okay. Um, so that's it. We got some iTunes reviews, but I'll share that next week. So that's all I got. What do you got? I just got nothing right now. I well, think I'm all done. Yeah. Well, you, that was pretty good. All right. Nice job, sweetie. Uh, keep trucking everybody and we'll catch you all next week unless you're on Team Zen. Then we'll catch you on Friday. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support and keep on trucking.